Everyone has their own unique views and needs when it comes to financial success. If you'd like to leave your financial woes behind and live a life of financial freedom, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton. The show will help you with the ins and outs of money. We talk about financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars and keeping you up at night. We talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, 401ks, risk management, retirement, and everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. Now, here is your host of Saving with Steve, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome to Saving with Steve, where we talk about the ins and outs of money, pretty much everything under the sun relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. My name is Steve Sexton. I want to thank you for joining us today. Hey, we have a wonderful lineup, but first I want to thank our affiliates, UK Health Radio, BBS Radio. Radio, Talk Radio New York City. We also want to thank AMFM 247 for distributing our show. We're well over 600,000 listeners and streamers here in the United States. We have well over 50,000 people here in, uh, abroad in Europe and the Pacific Rim. So we're very, very excited about that. We definitely are talking about money today. Now, many seniors are worried and wondering hey, do I have enough money to last to retirement? Uh, and they're very leery about going to those retirement communities now more than ever uh, because of COVID. Some seniors can't get a long-term care insurance due to COVID. Many of these seniors may not realize their home equity is likely to represent a large portion of their net worth. In fact, homers age 62 plus saw their collective home wealth increase significantly here in 2021. Understanding how to strategically and tax efficiently incorporate this wealth in the comprehensive retirement income strategy can make a big difference in protecting your long-term retirement income. Now, that said, we have Steve Sless that'll be joining us today later in the show, who's been named the reverse mortgage game changer from Yahoo Finance this year. I'll be talking about how to reduce costs in 2021, especially since we've seen a lot of inflation. Talking about inflation, it's reached a 30-year high. Economists have been keeping a watchful eye on how the gargantuan spike in consumer prices have impacted Americans of all incomes, but especially the poor and the working class. Research shows that inflation is disproportionately hurting less affluent people, threatening kneecap, you know, Mr. Biden's administration economic justice agenda. And many low-income families are feeling the impact of rising prices all too, too much here in this holiday season. I mean, you got gas, you got everything. Now, a lot of people think that $5 trillion government spending that, you know, on the pandemic would help, but it hasn't. You know, the reality to help us understand this we have Dr. Wayne Weingarten to help us understand what inflation means for hardworking American families. We would like to think that the $5 trillion that government spent on the pandemic, they'd help us, but it hasn't. That's why we have Dr. Wayne Weingarten to help us understand what inflation means to hardworking American families. Now, Dr. Weingarten is a senior fellow in business and economics at the Pacific Research Institute. He explores the connection between microeconomic policies and the economic outcomes with the focus on fiscal policy. I know that's a lot, but basically he's got the background to help us understand what's going on right now, how long it could be lasting, and the moves that, you know, what government policymakers are making and how it would affect or positively affect or negatively affect 
what's going on in the economy, which means bottom line, your dollars. So, uh, Wayne, welcome to the show. I want to thank you for oh, being thanks here. Thanks so much for having me, Steve. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know what? I've been waiting for this. Uh, we have a little viewers blog that people, I start talking, we're going to talk about economics. We got somebody coming in. They're like, oh, good, ask them this. So, so, so I got to ask, I know you've been, um, you know, obviously your doctor, um, you know what? What got you into studying economics? You know, I, that's a good question. I've been uh-huh. doing, <laughs> well, I've been doing it for so long. You know, I think it's just one of those things. It's one of those questions that you know, when when I started seeing that asked, it just it spoke to me. You know, the idea of you know how do we make uh, ourselves as a society wealthier? How do we you know bring up the top and the bottom and the middle? And you know, to me, these are some of the fundamental questions uh, that are just so important important in life. And I think uh, I've been blessed to be able to uh, spend my career doing it. That's right. That's good. That's great. I, you know what? I, that just means, um, you know what? It's your superpower and that's why you're here. So uh, we're totally good with that. Now, so could we start by talking about how, um, you know, what, you know, everybody understands it's a supply and demand type situation, but could you go mm-hmm. into, hey, why do we have this inflation? Why is it at a 30 year high? You know, what are the prospects for, you know, at the current course is, um, you know, public policy courses, uh, whatever we're going down, if it stays that way, how long is it likely to last? No, absolutely. I mean, this is one, I think, of the very pressing public policy issues that we have. And it's interesting because if you're, you know, 40 or under, you've never experienced this before. This is something from the history books. And it almost, it seems like an academic issue that, you know, people at universities should be worrying about, not everyday people. But, you know, here we are again. Um, In many ways, it's very, very complicated. But in, in the most basic form, Right. The government through the Federal Reserve, which is our central bank, right? They're the people who manage our money supply. And it, it, essentially, they've created too much money. And it gets very complicated very quickly in how they did it and understanding how much they should. But the bottom line is we've created too much money. And when you create too much money and that gets out in the economy, you get inflation. It's, you know, it's that that's just a fundamental economic kind of cause and effect. And we've made that fundamental mistake. Uh, it's, again, very difficult to, to measure these things. It's very complicated. But essentially, we've made a policy mistake. We have the money supply going way too fast. That has caused inflation. That's now kind of getting uh, intertwined with all of the supply bottlenecks, right? You hear ports of California have uh, uh, can't unload the ships because there's no place to, to put the containers. Those things are impacting as well. You bring all of that together and what you see is, you know, the value of our incomes are getting eroded day by day by day. Okay, so basically what you're saying is every time they gave us a stimulus, every time they did the uh, payment, um, um, the, the what is that, the loan to businesses to support them or the five or $10,000 that they gave everybody. That's more money being put into the economy. And the more that gets into the economy, the more people spend on certain items. And those items, you know what, um, because of um, demand, um, more and more being consumed. And because more and more being consumed, um, there's less and less. And therefore, you're seeing prices rise. You don't even need me. That was perfect. Okay. So (laughs) I just want to make it real simple because, you know what, when you look at it, See, I'm aging myself here, but I remember the, you know, your license plate odd and even days for when you get when right. we got gas. You know, when I was 16 years old, my folks are like, yeah, you're not going to drive for another year because we're still dealing with this. And, and uh, 
And, you know, we were always, you know, trying to find out who had the cheapest gas. But the interesting thing back then, I think gas was $1.25 a gallon. And now we're almost at five bucks. So it's, it's a pretty, pretty steep rise there. Uh, so I, I get that. Um, but so now that we see that, what is the prospects of, you know what, are we looking to the middle of the year, end of the year of 2022 to start seeing some of this subside or things actually catching up? Or there are some things that have been put in place from a fiscal policy standpoint, meaning the things that the government is doing that would prolong that or create a slower recovery from that. So that does that make sense? No, it, it does make sense. And obviously, any type of looking forward depends on what happens with the policy environment. If you look at what's happening right now, it seems very unlikely that throughout all of 2022, we're still going to be worrying about inflation and we're still going to be worrying about supply shortages. Because it first from a supply perspective, it does not look like the the supply chain will be fully kind of back to normal until at least late 2022. The Federal Reserve is is late, they're moving slowly, they're going the they're beginning to slow down, right? That's a good thing, but they're continuing to 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 do this expansionary policy. That's not gonna so a contractionary policy, if you even want to call it that, isn't gonna occur till late into 2022 at best or mid-2022. And these things happen, you know, it, the policy doesn't automatically lead to a change right away. You, know, you implement the policy and then things slowly start happening over time. Those delays mean that it seems very unlikely with so much already baked in that we're not going to still be struggling and talking about inflation and prices rising throughout all of 2022. And the, the, the thing that also I think people misunderstand is that inflation it creates it, it creates price distortions. What we mean is you don't really know why something's prices are rising and prices rise at different levels a rent, right? That's going up. All of these factors can actually slow down the economy. So the inflation itself creates a risk, especially with all the policies we're implementing, that we can end up with what was called stagflation, which means you have slow economy and inflation happening at the same time. Uh, and the risk of that is, is growing. And throughout 2022, we're going to really see those risks rise. So we're really in a very precarious uh, position uh, economically uh, from both will growth continue and the pernicious effects from inflation. So if we uh, dive into that, basically what you're saying is we could be looking at Jimmy Carter number two, um, yes. so to speak. And on top of that, if we have so much inflation and the scary thing that just popped in my mind was you have somebody who's buying that $600,000 home. And they are just, you know, right at the edge of their affordability for them. And you still have some inflation with house values going down. Um, you know what? They could be in a very precarious spot, like we saw with many people in 2008 when that 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 hit. So I could see I could see that everything coming to a point there and seeing a, a bit of a bubble. So now, you know what? We're going to have to take a break. I'm like totally into this. <laughs> Everybody, you want to be here. Stick around for Dr. Uh, uh, Wayne Weingarten. Um, stick around for more Wayne. We'll be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less 
your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, I want to welcome you back to the Save and Receive show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. Uh, by the way, all the replays are available at www.savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information on Saving with Steve, then I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Google Play, Spotify. Hey, check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio, New York City, E360 TV. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit, and have you live a life of personal and financial freedom. And you can also follow us on Facebook at savingwithsteve.us. And um, let's see. Now we have Dr. Wayne. Uh, Dr. Wayne. I'm going to call him Dr. Wayne. He likes Wayne better. I won't. I, I'm just I messing do. with him. Sorry. Uh, but we just finished talking about the impact of what's going on with inflation. We saw, hey, things are probably going to last through 2022 until 2023. We have the possibility of seeing a couple bubbles. Uh, which would be something precarious, whether it be housing or stocks and so on. But now when we're looking at a recovery from this inflation, what is the impact of taxation? Um, regulations that the administration is looking to put on businesses, uh, whether it's small or large, what would be the impact of that? The, the, the impact is that they're, they're, all, they're anti-growth. Where when you look at the size of the of the government, uh, and I think a better way to think about the government is, of course, it adds value, right? There's a lot of very important services that the government provides. But just like any good, right, the more of something you have, right, the less value you get out of it. The first, you know, the, the first hamburger you eat, it's great. You're hungry. Lots of value as you eat your 10th hamburger. <laughs> not not so great. And we're we're about at that point with it with the, with the federal government. So it's there's it's uh, wasting resources just because it's become too big or too unaffordable to go back to that term. And so when you add up more taxes on top of the burdens that we're already at, you're basically transferring resources away from a more productive private sector into uh, the public sector. That's anti-growth. You're also disincenting growth, right? You're saying, uh, you know, the reason why an entrepreneur starts a business and entrepreneurship is so key to kind of getting the economy going because that one that's where lots of innovations come from but the next great idea comes from small businesses typically they make it bought up by a large business eventually but the innovation comes from small business uh, entrepreneurship creates a pathway uh, to the middle class for lower income people so you know in so many ways it's so important but the after-tax return is what matters so much, right? Because if you have to pay taxes, well, that doesn't go to compensate for the risk. You can't pay your costs. You know, you, you can't bring that home as income to support your family if it's going to the government. As you raise taxes, you're decreasing that return. And with all the risk that entrepreneurs go into, if you're going to make the return so small, you're just going to discourage people from doing it. It's the same thing with regulations, right? Regulations take time away from your business. You know, so you have to not just um, uh, spend the uh, money, 
complying with the regulations, but you also have to spend time. Entrepreneurs, you know, you're already working 10, 12, 14 hour days. Now you need to do another two hours to, you know, to deal with the regulations. It's just overwhelming and stifling. And it's also difficult to comply with. So it creates an advantage for big businesses relative to small. You know what? I think that's wonderful. Um, I keep, I I think about um, the taxation side of things. And just to make this real simple for my simple brain, um, it, it, it's pretty much like, hey, I've got $100. That's what I earn. 30% of that goes to the tax man because it, well, it used to be 10%. Now it's 30% because taxes went up. And because we already have this inflation, I've got to spend uh, $60 of my $100 on food, clothing, and all that because that went up. And I only have $10 left when last month or the previous month, I had $30 left, which means I can't really save much. And that puts me in a position where I either have to, you know, save that for emergencies um, or if inflation goes up further, it eats away on my $10 that I can save. And pretty pretty soon I'm in a position where, you know, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And uh, and if you're an entrepreneur, hey, you know what, I'm going to have to make 30 or 40%. Otherwise, this isn't going to be worthwhile because I got to pay taxes and all those things. And then on top of the regulation side, as a small business owner myself, totally understand that. In fact, in some cases, just to deal with regulations, I have to hire an additional person, uh, which, which makes things much more expensive. So what you're really saying is the more and more they pile on to essentially say, hey, we're doing this for other people, it's reducing the ability for people or want and desire to actually go develop a business create a new technology because they won't have the um, won't have the money they need in order to supply their lives. Secondly, they won't be paying for those cars, which employ people or paying for as much food or going out to support waiters, waitresses, and so on. So the whole economic distribution that keeps going downhill, so to speak, won't be there. And as such, it constricts the economy. Is that right? No, that's right. And the one thing I would add to that, and that was actually brilliantly said, but what I would add is, even if like over an entire year, right, that you have enough money, if the regulations or the taxes have costs so that you're just breaking even at the wrong time, it could create a cash flow problem. And if you don't have the liquidity, even if you have a solid business that you could just hang around for another year, you'd be fine, but you may not have the cash flow to do that. And that's sometimes what these, uh, like a regulation that delays you from starting up, right? Because you have to comply with everything before you can even open your doors. Well, you may not have the, the ability to last that 12 months to get it started. So even if it's a good idea, it's that liquidity issue that also is very, very important uh, in terms of kind of the costs of taxes and, and regulations imposed. So, you know what? Um so at the end of the day, um, less government is better because you have the ability to develop and grow a business without having one hand put behind your back, so to speak. I like to think of it as you, the the proper government, right? The the value enhancing government, you know okay. that you know because less is a relative term, right? So yep. it's not always less, but <laughs> you know, and we did a study on this, and we 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 found kind of looking at kind of uh, the size of the government relative to the economy that right now we're at about. 30%, actually, we used to be around 20 something percent. And the growth enhancing level is 15%. So that if you, if, uh, 15% of our national income, if that were the size of the government, and again, obviously focused on those value added, um, you know, uh, contributions of public goods, that is the optimal size of government. And so that's really my view where we should be pushing towards. How do we shrink the economy so that it's 15% of our national income? And that way, 
government focusing on those things that matter will be promoting growth, promoting the national interest, providing the public goods that we need, which, by the way, includes a solid safety net for those who are struggling economically, but it, it does it in a more efficient way. And, and there's there's ways to achieve that. But right now, just the size of the government, the composition of the government and the wastefulness of the government are very, very troubling. So how, you know, when we talk about this, how does government um, go about, you know what, you know what, we have 600,000 people listening right now. So when I, when I talk about this, how, you know, people are listening, what can they do? Um, you know, how, how, do, how, how do they need to promote things to their congressmen, their senators, and so on to, you know, create an environment where it's a win for the economy, which is a win for everybody. I think the first things we have to recognize, and this is something Milton Friedman said, which I think is simple but brilliant, where he said, you know, government spending is government taxation. And so we need to focus on the spending. And by doing that, right, and not, and we not, we need to not be partisan about it, right? You know, the, the Republicans have been just as bad on spending as the Democrats. You know, so we 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 need to hold politicians accountable in terms of uh, stop selling. Um, basically programs that are cost free. Stop saying you're going to spend $1.75 trillion on Build Back Better, which is really $4 trillion, which you say is not going to add to the debt. You know, it doesn't cost anything. You know, these, these you know, we need to, to get past these games because we really do have very pressing fiscal problems. And so you're saying, what's the first thing we do? We need to start recognizing that fact. Social Security is not funded. Medicare is not funded. We have unfunded public pensions at the state and local level. Those are trillions of dollars, and those are going to overwhelm the fiscal state of the government. And so we need to recognize and demand reforms of those programs so that we can make them financially sustainable. It's it's heartless to pretend that we have these programs uh, that are important that are and pretend that they're financially viable when they're not. I mean, that, that's a very dangerous and a very cruel position to take. We then need to then move into kind of, you know, other things of the government. And I think the first thing is we're talking about rising interest rates and the, the threat that has to the housing market. Mm-hmm. There's also a huge threat to the government fiscal position from rising interest rates. If interest rates go up to four or five percent, interest on the debt will become the biggest uh, expenditure item in the budget. I mean, think about that, right? That we're going to spend more paying off for services from yesterday than any other service that we're providing, public good that we're providing today. I mean, that's where we're heading towards. And so we need, uh, quite frankly, you know, people who can do, you know, look at the, at the balance sheet, assets and liabilities. How can we bring down the debt being creative um, in order to kind of put ourselves into a, a fiscally sustainable position? And so I think, you know, in terms of what we should focus on is we need to recognize that the financial house is not in order and that the first thing we need to do is bring that in order in the entitlements, Social Security, Medicare, public pensions at the state and local level, uh, and then the debt. Focusing on those first, bringing those into balance, and then worrying about right-sizing the rest of the government and, and addressing how do we do things more efficiently. Wayne, that's wonderful. I, I want to thank you for saying that. You know what? Uh, our time has gone like that, which is really cool because that means we had a good segment. Um, everybody, this is Dr. Wayne Weingarten. Um, Wayne, is it okay if we get your paper promoting economic recovery through entrepreneurship, not government, and put it up on our website? Oh, please do. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, we want to. We want to. We want to spread that. I think there's some wonderful things in there. People read through it. It's not a, a super technical thing, but you have an understanding of what's going on, what's happening, and some of the things that Wayne just said are echoed in there. 
I, I love the uh, Milton Freeman uh, <laughs> statement. <laughs> I started smiling when I saw that. So um, now, Wayne, um, is there, you know what, do you, I, I don't know much about your business other than do you consult with people? How, how, do, you, how do you work or you just work for the Institute? I, I do both. So I'm a, I'm a senior fellow at the Pacific Research Institute, and I also do consulting for, for some businesses on the side as well. Okay. Are large, medium-sized businesses? Yes. <laughs> okay, both. Great. Hey, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you uh, to utilize your services, um, how would they go about doing that? Well, you know, what, great way in terms of the policy work I do is specificresearch.org. Uh, that's, you know, fantastic. I'm also on Twitter at Wayne Weingarten. That's a great way to uh, to get in touch with me as well. Perfect. Wayne, I want to thank you for being with us today. Um, I mean, you opened up. I know there's a lot of people you opened up their eyes because they didn't quite get it. And now they do which is wonderful. And I know that's tough for an economist, <laughs> especially with the technical nature of all that's involved with economics. Uh, but um, you know what? Again, I want to thank you. Please stay safe, play healthy. And you know what? I'd love to have you back in about a year to talk about uh, how everything's going and what we can look for uh, in 2023. Oh, I would love it. Thank you. It was great being here. Yep. You have a great day. We'll see you. Hey, everybody. You too. Awesome. Happy holidays. Weingarten. Um, you know what? Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next year because I'd love to see how things turn out. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back. I'm going to talk to you about how to recuse costs in 2022, especially with this inflation. So stick with us. We'll be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. We just had a wonderful segment with Wayne Weingarten. He's a doctor of research at the uh, Pacific Research Institute, he's consulting. You can go there, you get a hold of him if you're medium to large business and you need his help. But I'd recommend you go to our website and you wanna take a look at his paper on breaking down barriers to opportunity. It's the number five paper, promoting economic recovery through entrepreneurship, not government. Now, let's just talk about our next little segment. Now, today we talked about inflation. We are going to be dealing with a lot of inflation moving forward, as Dr. Weingart talked about. So, hey, let's talk about how we can legitimately reduce costs in 2022, but still do much of the things we actually continue to do. Now, you've probably noticed everything these days costs more and has been like that for the last year. And we'll probably see it go up a little bit. We can just talk about gas. It's almost up a dollar and a half to two dollars here in California from a year ago. Now, 
problem is, is a supply and demand issue. Uh, we've seen recent rates of inflation rapidly incre- increase, and you know we saw pre- quick prices increases. Of course, the scary thing about inflation is that it potentially drives you into debt, especially if you're holding true if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, you know, without any more money to fall back on savings to avoid financial struggles in the near term, here are a couple tips for fighting back against inflation. Now, one of the things I'd like to talk to you about is this. First of all, you want to take a look at fighting for a higher cost of living raise. Some companies give raises based off merit, while other gifts blanket rises like at 3% to reflect the cost of inflation. In a normal year, a 3% cost of inflation typically suffices because it usually ranges between about one and three and a half. No big deal. Well, the problem is this year, you could be losing purchasing power. If your employer gives out a 3% raise across all employees this year, rally your fellow colleagues and fight for a higher boost in pay. How do you do that? You write a group letter to your management team explaining that recent inflation has made paying for essential more difficult and ask that they respectfully reconsider the extent in which you're raising wages. Now, next thing you can do is you can boost your income by getting a side gig, but inflation runs rampant. Hey, one of the ways to make sure you keep it back is get a side gig. I've got people who are being a tutor after work hours. They're four or five hours a day. They're looking at being a tutor. Uh, They get paid $20 to $30 an hour if they have degrees. Some are in English, math, uh, science, all uh, different things, different topics. But that's one way. Another way is you have many of these restaurants that, you know, they need waiters, they need waitresses, they need drivers. Hey, you know, $16, $17 an hour, Starbucks in the evening, ride share programs, consulting on the side for 20 hours a week. You could get paid as much as $50 an hour. I've talked with many people that have, you know, in their 30s and their 40s over the last year and sometimes in their 50s and they're looking for different ways and I've given those examples and they've gone out and taken their continue with their current job and for 20 hours a week or 10 hours a week they're making an extra 30 20 30 40 dollars an hour which adds up to offset inflation now next thing is you want to take a look at cutting bad expenses expenses that are not essential when the cost of groceries and gas rise, consumers have no choice but basically to pay up because you need the stuff to live. Now, but there are many things you're spending money on technically aren't needed, or you could buy the same thing, but at a lower cost, okay? I'll give you a quick example. Take entertainment. It's important to have, uh, to have ways to stop, uh, stay occupied and pay for entertainment. And, how, and you know, it'll help you mentally because it keeps you get your mind off everything. But technically, it's not needed. If you're currently spending say $50 a month on streaming services, you may need to cancel one or two. Take a look at the streaming services that you provide. We did this a long time ago. In fact, we didn't realize it, but we had five streaming services. This is nuts. But when we took a look at the ones we're actually using, we realized we only needed three of them, but that savings was $30 a month. So think about that. That's $360 a year. You might think, oh, that's just 30 bucks. But 30 bucks is the difference of what you're paying in a tank of gas now. It could be the difference in your grocery bill, the increase in your utility bills. Hey, couple things to get started. Comparison shop. We had Lisa Thompson on from coupons.com a couple of weeks back. You want to go revisit it. In fact, just go to coupons.com or go to grocerysteals.com or basket. You know what? You're going to find discounts. You're going to find coupons. You're going to find cash back and it doesn't cost you anything. 
One of the other things you could do is check out smarter. Okay. So how you pay matters. If you spend a lot on certain items like gas, restaurants, groceries, consider opening a rewards cards that gives you points or 5% cash back on those items. Okay. Be sure to stick to your budget and make sure you pay off the credit card at the end of the month because you don't want to lose what you're gaining because of interest you're paying, okay? Um, and on for other things, pay cash, okay? Paying cash has much of a, a bite and more pain than swiping a card so you're less likely to overspend. Think about reducing and reusing things. Let's talk about reducing. Now, there's a couple things that you can do here. First of all, look at what you're doing, how you're living your life. Many people who are looking for ways to reduce their spending, I always say, hey, what do you eat now? Okay. How often do you eat out? Sometimes we have people, we find out they're spending 300 bucks a month on coffee out somewhere. So I recommend, hey, go to Starbucks, not Starbucks, go to Costco and buy a Keurig box. You know what? You can pay 30 bucks for hundred cups of coffee. Okay. Then you get some creamer for five bucks. You've just paid $40 instead of 300 going out for coffee. So don't just use the Keurig cups. Save you some money. Hey, that's a lot of money consent. You could spend save money on eliminating or changing your cellular plan. You know what? There's top three or four carriers, AT&T, T-Mobile, and so on. You know what? They have top rates, but you can find other carriers that might not have the same rates. They'll have lower rates. We did this. We saved $80 a month on four people. So that's a significant savings. Take a look at... When you're going shopping at the store, you have pre-packed salads, you have pre-packed many things. If you don't look at the pre-packed stuff and prepare your dinner using the raw materials, such as buying lettuce, buying seeds or nuts, buying salad dressing or cheese, you can spend a lot less. Let me give you an example. We took a salad a day, $4 a day times 30 is 120. We bought lettuce, dressing, croutons, cheese, and salads. We saved ourselves $35 a month. Every little bit adds up. Hey, it could make you, you know, every little bit could pay for the gas and other things and also put you in a position where you can pay off things. Huh? Subscriptions. I've talked with many people over the last year. Some people are saying, hey, you know, I've never realized how much I've been spending. I tell them to go get your debit card and your credit card statements and list everything. You know what? They're finding out they have memberships, whether it be the Jazzercise or the, the, the fitness club or whatever that they've been paying for for decades, but never go on you. So get rid of those wine club memberships that you signed up on that day, but never used, but and you still haven't picked up the wine. Uh, or you have a subscription service to a, you know, a delivery service, another streaming service, whatever. Get rid of the ones you don't need. Next, look at your cable bill. You know what? Strip it all the way down to just the internet services and look at getting a couple streaming payments. We did that. We went from 200, almost $270 to $150 a month, saved us a ton of money. Look at your auto insurance, homeowner's insurance. Hey, if you bind them together with most carriers, they'll give you a discount. If you look at adding um, coverages, shop around. You might be able to save yourself a whole bunch of money and get the same coverage. There's many ways that you can do this. Next, bulk up. Hey, when it comes to buying in bulk, you could save yourself a whole bunch of money, as much as 25%. But you need to check the per price, per unit price versus the sticker price to see whether a bulk deal is really worth it. Next, um, there's many other things you could do. Saving at the pump. You know what? Go to gasbuddies.com. It's an app you can get that'll show you where the cheapest gas is. Hey, quite frankly, right now, I go to Costco. It saves me about 50 cents a gallon. You know, no, 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 no there. 
housing. If you haven't looked at refinancing, this would be a good time to do that. So you know what? I have some clients that have been paying on the same uh, uh, mortgage for almost 30 years. I mean, actually almost 20 years. And their, uh, their balance is really low, but their payment is really high. So what we did, we said, why don't you refinance on a 15-year mortgage for what you have right here? And when they did that, their mortgage rate that went down to 2% from four. And they actually saved $1,500 a month on their mortgage. And what they're doing is they've, they're adding an extra $500 to the balance. But you know what? They're going to be able to pay off their house in less than nine years, but they're going to be paying less. So there's many things you can do to reduce and eliminate these expenses. Um, so it's really important that you look at those, especially during these economic times. And as Dr. Weingarten indicated, we're probably looking at seeing inflation with us for the upcoming 2022 and possibly into 2023. You know what? <clears throat> That might you know, mean your budget needs an overhaul. Cutting expenses, negotiating regular bills, and being mindful about energy uses at home could add up to a lot more savings. So you know what? You want to think about that. Look at ways to reduce and eliminate those costs. And you know what? You're going to stick with us. We're going to be right back because we're going to be talking to Steve Less about how to manage the equity in your home. So stick with us. We're going to be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show. This is Steve Sexton. I want to thank you for joining us. We talk about the ins and outs of money. Next, we're going to be talking with Steve Sless. He is known as the reverse mortgage game changer by Yahoo Finance. He was given that title in 2021. That's just this year. He's going to be talking to us how to tax efficiently, effectively utilize the equity in our homes or the wealth we have in our homes to live or continue our retirement dreams take care of things like long-term care, things like that. So with that, I want to welcome Steve Sless to our show. Steve, welcome to the show. Likewise. Thank you for having me, Steve. Great to be with you. I just want to say this. Once we let people know that you were coming on the show, our viewer email just started blowing up. <laughs> but before we jump into this, I know you're in regular mortgages for a few years and you've been into reverse mortgages for about 15. Tell us your little story. Why did you transition into the reverse mortgage world? Yeah, I got into the mortgage business, uh, gosh, about about 20 years ago now and spent the first few years of, of my mortgage career doing what most mortgage professionals do. And that's cash out refinances, purchases. At that point, there was a big subprime market and we were 
originating those loans as well. And I had to make a big decision 2007, 2008, when the housing bubble came crashing down, what was I going to do? Right At that point, the company that I worked for was not able to originate FHA loans. And that left me really unable to perform the business that I've come to know and love. And I had to make a very strategic decision at that point. And I had started researching reverse mortgages at the time, but I was in my young 20s and I had a lot of doubts that I would be able to engage with an older demographic. But through my research and through my studying, Steve, what I found was the reverse mortgage is such an incredible tool to protect and prolong one's retirement. And I jumped in headfirst. 15 years later, I haven't looked back. In retrospect, it's the best career decision that I've ever made. I've dedicated myself to reverse mortgages and helping folks to live a better and more comfortable retirement ever since. And very grateful for making that decision a while back. Well, you know what? I think it's a noble service you provide. The key here is what I really like when looking at your videos is you educate people. A lot of people are concerned because they've been doing the same thing for decades and a reverse mortgage is something new. I have a lot of questions, but I would love for you just to briefly talk about how does a reverse mortgage work? Yeah. You know, Steve, what we teach more than anything else is the concept of integrating housing wealth into a comprehensive financial plan. Steve, for 74% of folks that are 62 years old, they're already short of their retirement income needs. However, a new report came out about a couple months ago. There is over $9 trillion in untapped equity of folks 62 and older in America. Over $9 trillion. And so that money is debt equity. It's not working for those folks. It's not doing it. It's just sitting there dormant. What we teach, Steve, is how to incorporate that equity strategically and tax efficiently with a reverse mortgage loan and use those funds is in most cases the client's largest asset. Use them proactively instead of reactively. And the result is we're able to extend their finances. We're able to extend the longevity of their investment portfolios. We're able to allow them to enjoy a better and more comfortable retirement. And we're able to make their money last longer because we're leveraging what is their largest asset. And that's the equity in their home. When it comes to a reverse mortgage, everybody's trying to figure out, hey, will it work for me? Am I a good candidate for this? You know, expand on that so people can say, hey, well, well, am I fit? Does it work? What? There's two different types of reverse mortgage. There's a HECM, a home equity conversion mortgage. Those are government insured reverse mortgage loans. And I would say probably 95% of every reverse mortgage originated today is a HECM government insured product. There's also now, Steve, been a lot of innovation on the proprietary reverse mortgage side. So private lenders, non-government insured, are now rolling out reverse mortgage products. And most of these loans are jumbo reverse mortgages. They are for a higher net worth clientele. We can lend on a jumbo reverse mortgage up to $3 million in cash for homes valued all the way up to $10 million. Reverse mortgages work like this. You got to be at least 60 plus, you got to own your home, and you got to have roughly 50% equity. For folks that have a mortgage, one of the biggest benefits is we can replace their traditional mortgage with a reverse mortgage and eliminate the mandatory mortgage payment requirement. And so by doing that, we're able to extend their cash flow. We're able to free up cash flow, free up finances. And we can also, if they have enough equity to qualify, we can release funds to them from the equity in the home. And that can be done in a variety of ways. Folks can choose to take a 10-year payout, which is basically your home sends you a check every month until the funds are exhausted. 
There's also a term payout where you just say, hey, Steve, I need X amount of dollars and I need it for X amount of period of time, five years, 10 years, 15, so on and so forth. You can take a lump sum from your home equity or the most effective strategy is you can take out a reverse mortgage line of credit. And a reverse mortgage line of credit is very different than a traditional line of credit, Steve. One, they're federally insured. They can never be suspended, reduced, or frozen irregardless of what the economy does or what the market does. That's big. These lines of credit also have a guaranteed growth rate attached to them. And so you're able to borrow more of your home equity every year the line of credit is in place. Let me ask you this question here. So when you talk about, because this is one of the questions my viewer asks, is they know that your line of credit will grow by a certain interest rate each year. Is it based off the equity that you have that is available to be withdrawn? And that partial grows, providing you haven't take money out from that or... The line of credit has a, a set growth rate. And, and, and what's important to point out too is this is a growth rate. It's not interest. So think of it as a credit card where your limit is being increased each year. Okay, the good. growth rate on the line of credit is 0.5% over the interest rate on the loan. So today's interest rates on reverse mortgages are about two and a half, three percent 3%. Figure the growth rate is going to be 3 to 3.5% 3 on any unused portion of the line of credit. Okay. So as you draw funds out, obviously you don't get any growth on the funds that you're pooling, but any funds that you leave and let sit in the line of credit, uh, we call it a standby line of credit because you can just park it, put it in reserve, put it on standby. Those funds grow over time and you just treat it no different than any traditional line of credit and you draw from it if and when you need it. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. So I think one of the big things there is that it can't be taken away. It can't be reduced. So that means if once the foreclosures and all that stuff comes to bear and the market values go down, even though somebody got a reverse mortgage today, say their equity line is 200,000 and maybe their house is only worth 200,000, they can't take that away. It's not like a credit card where they re they can reduce your 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 credit limit. Exactly. And think back, Steve, to 08, 09, when the housing market crashed, you had a lot of folks, a lot of these folks were over 60. They had traditional home equity lines of credit. They thought they had access to $100,000, $200,000 or more in some cases. And the bank came back and said, you know what? Yeah, we're not going to let you borrow that money anymore. And that wrecked a lot of people's retirement plan. That cannot happen with reverse mortgages because the line of credit is federally insured. It is guaranteed. You're also, Steve, able to borrow on today's market value. We're in a booming housing economy right now. I mean, there's bidding wars on homes. You know, yeah. it, it, in some cases, homes don't even make the market and there's a bidding war already. And so values are soaring. You can take out a reverse mortgage line of credit today and lock in today's value. You and I were talking about this before the show came on. It's in all likelihood, values are going to at least level off, if not go down. So too is the market, the economy. And so it's a great hedge against future market corrections, being able to lock that line of credit in and do it at today's value, not future values, and know that that value is guaranteed. Steve, that's wonderful. Hey, look, this is great information. We're going to take a quick break. Guys, stick with us. We got to pay some bills. We'll be right back with more Stephen Sless. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. 
Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show. I want to truly thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you letting your friends, family, and associates know about the show. All the replays are available here at savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information, insight on Saving with Steve, then I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Apple Play, and Spotify channel. Hey, check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio New York City, E360 TV, Las Vegas TV Network. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to live a life of financial and personal freedom. Also, you can follow us at Facebook at Saving with Steve Sexton if you'd like some more financial tips. So here we come back with Steve Sless. We've got a slew of questions here. So we're just going to get started. There's pros and cons to anything. What's the downside of a reverse mortgage? What's the con side? You know, I think it really starts in the beginning. It's all about suitability. And so when somebody comes to us, Steve, and they say, hey, I'm interested in learning about a reverse mortgage, there's first an educational journey that we need to take them on. We're also trying to figure out ourselves, are they suitable? First question we ask, Steve, is how long do you want to live in the home for? If somebody were to say three years, four years, it's probably not a great fit. And so there would be a downside there. I think the barrier to entry, the cost to take out a reverse mortgage loan is probably too great at that point if you're only going to be in the house for a few years. This is a long-term solution to living a comfortable retirement and doing so aging in place in the comfort of your own home. Another downside, and it's not necessarily a downside, it really depends on what your viewpoint of this is. Reverse mortgages are loans that have negative amortization, which means that if you make no payments, and Steve, you can treat a reverse mortgage no different than a traditional mortgage. If you want to make payments, you certainly have the, the right to be able to do so. But a lot of folks choose not to make monthly mortgage payments. And if you choose not to make a monthly mortgage payment, your balance each month is going to increase. A lot of folks are fearful of that. They're fearful of their balance increasing. What we teach, Steve, is, look, the home is a low growth potential asset. If you have a financial advisor that is managing your money and that money is well diversified, it's in the right market, it's invested well, chances are that advisor is yielding you, you know, seven to 10, six to 10% returns right now. Historically, the home appreciates at one to 4% per year. And so we teach use the home equity first instead of using the retirement assets first and combine all of your assets. But a lot of folks are a little hesitant because they're fearful of their balance rising over time. And look, at that point, you have to become educated. You got to become empowered. And ultimately, you got to make the best and most astute financial decision for you. Let's clear up some of the misinformation. Sure. Now, can somebody lose their house with a reverse mortgage? You cannot 
not lose your house because you have a reverse mortgage. That That's a huge misconception. And if we have time, Steve, a, a quick backstory. So prior to 2015, if you were over 62, you had equity in your home and you had a pulse, you had blood pumping through your body, you could get a reverse mortgage. Mm-hmm. There was no credit qualifications. There was no income qualifications. And so the result was you had a lot of folks that were already of destitute. They had already run out of money and they were using the reverse mortgage as a last resort. The reverse mortgage just prolonged the inevitable. It prolonged their ability to remain in the home, but it was inevitable. They were going to lose their home because they just couldn't afford it. They didn't have enough income to pay the taxes and the insurance. Those are the qualifications of the reverse mortgage. Got to pay your homeowner's insurance. You got to pay your property taxes and you got to maintain the home. If you default on any of those requirements, you will lose your home. But that's no different. Look, if you have a regular mortgage or even no mortgage at all, Steve, and you don't pay your taxes, you're going to get foreclosed on. You're going to lose your home. But by having a reverse mortgage, you cannot lose your home simply by having the loan. Here's another question. What happens... For example, we've got the market screaming up right now with the housing market. Everybody wants to buy and all the supply line issues. I get a reverse mortgage. It's a $600,000 reverse mortgage. The market goes down and my house is actually worth $300,000 and I pass away. What are the options my heirs have? It's a great question. So all reverse mortgages are non-recourse loans. Non-recourse means there's no recourse and there's no debt passed to your heirs or your estate that they have to come out of pocket and pay. So at the time of your death, your heirs are going to have the option to buy the house for 95% of the appraised value at the time. They can also walk away. If there's more owed on the reverse mortgage than what the home is worth, they can walk away and the non-recourse component kicks in. The Heckam reverse mortgages have government reverse mortgage insurance on them. That insurance policy that is on all these reverse mortgages will settle. It's almost like gap insurance for your car, Steve. Mm-hmm. Right? You total your car, you owe $20,000, the insurance yeah. company cuts you a check for fifteen. dollars that $5,000 gap is covered. Reverse mortgages work the same way. So you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you can take a reverse mortgage out. And if at some point there is a market correction and you do owe more than what the value of the home is at the time of death, your heirs can simply walk away or they have the option to buy it back at 95% of the value. One of the reasons why I asked that is back in 2008, one of my clients who had had a reverse mortgage passed away and the reverse mortgage was actually like $450,000 and after 2008 the house value when they appraised it was 195,000 when the heirs were looking at just dumping it saying hey fine but when i explained to them i said you can get a house for $195,000 and let it grow and they went oh my and <laughs> basically they bought the house for 195 and sold it a few few years later for twice that much So they were in a wonderful position when that occurred, and it's a great option. One of the questions I do have is this. In this world, you have divorces, okay? And this question has come up probably, I probably have 30 of these questions. Divorce rates in California are at 50%. If it's a second divorce and they're older than 55, it's at 72%. What's the effect of reverse mortgage and somebody receiving income if there's a, I want to say, gray hair or silver hair divorce? I love that question, Steve. So we have a partnership with the IDFA, the Institute for Divorce Financial Analysts. We're working with financial analysts that specialize in senior divorce, and we're helping them use reverse mortgage loans to navigate their clients' financial woes while they're going through these divorces. And so 
we're using the reverse mortgage as a tool to divide the marital home and, and use that equity for one person to remain in the home while the other leaves the home. We're also using it, Steve. We just had a, a, you know, a case like this uh, not too long ago where the couple sold their home for $300,000. They both put down $150,000 on two separate $300,000 homes. And they bought those homes with a reverse mortgage. You can actually use a reverse mortgage loan, Steve, to purchase a home in retirement. Most folks don't even realize that. Most realtors don't realize that. Um, so it's a very effective strategy. And it's one that we are deploying quite a bit as we work through the Institute for Divorce Financial Analysts to help their clients ease the financial difficulties of gray or silver divorce. You know what? I just want to add this. Over the years, there's a number of clients that have come to me and they've come to me because they're trying to find a way to make retirement work and they've overspent or overhelped a child or something like that. And we've gotten in contact with a reverse mortgage specialist for the primary reason. In one case, the couple actually took out a jumbo reverse mortgage, but they were able to eliminate their current mortgage payment, which is a little over $2,500, which was the gap they needed to make their retirement work for the rest of their life. And then they had an equity line left over that they were going to use in case some health issues ramped up on them. And they were just going to let that grow until it was there. That was probably 12 years ago. And they let that thing grow. I think it's like little over half million dollars and they started tapping into it because of home care needs. So they're going to have more than enough to do it. And they're so thankful that I said, Hey, look at considering getting a reverse mortgage because this is what you need. So they were able to prolong their life, have the retirement that they want, and now being able to take care of somebody just because they looked at what you talked about strategically tapping into that asset, which is their house equity. And look, Steve, I mean, the bottom line is there's over $9 trillion of senior housing wealth that is not being used right now. Reverse mortgage is just one way to use it. There's other options. There's traditional mortgages. There's traditional home equity lines of credit. However, the difference with the reverse mortgage is there's no mandatory payment obligation. So if you're in your 60s or you're in your 70s and you're looking to take funds from the equity in your home, would you rather do it and not have to pay those funds back, not have a mandatory mortgage payment? Or would you rather be saddled with a 15, 20, or 30-year mortgage payment and have to come out of pocket with that payment every month and, and until you're in your 90s in some mm -hmm. cases. And so oftentimes it makes more sense to take out a reverse mortgage. But again, it's all about education and it's about weighing the options and what works for some may not work for others. And that's where we come in to help them figure that out. One of the things that I have found as of recent, a lot of people are in situations like in states like California, Illinois, New York, where the cost of living's got pretty expensive. Their only options are to sell and downsize or move out of state, or they look at getting that reverse mortgage just to free up that money that they need to make their life work. I think what you do is noble. I think what you're doing right now with educating everybody is very, very important and is needed. And that said, we're about to wrap up our segment with you. Could you tell us how people can get a hold of you, how they can go get your videos so they can get educated and get the help they're looking for? Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity. So my firm's name is the Stephen J. Sless Group. It's the Stephen J. Sless Group. We are the reverse mortgage division for primary residential mortgage. We have branches 
in all 50 states throughout the country. You can reach us by phone. Our number is 410-814-7575. 410-814-7575. Or online at The Sless Group, The Sless, S-L-E-S-S group.com. On YouTube is where all our videos are as well. And we have a lot of educational content on there. If you just go on YouTube and search The Stephen J. Sless Group, you'll pull up our content. If you get there, I'd appreciate if you like the videos. And if you want to be notified when we put out more content, just subscribe and hit the bell at the top. And every time we release a new video, you'll get to know. Hey folks, the first thing of learning anything new is getting education. They've got a great resource at theslesgroup.com. So you want to go out there and look at it. If you're looking to get a hold of Steve, definitely go to that website. Steve, I want to thank you for joining us. Hey, stay safe, stay healthy. We've had a lot more questions to get answered. So we're probably gonna have to circle back in a few months and have you back on. Is that okay? I'd love to. I appreciate the opportunity. You're doing great work, Steve. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Steve. I've heard too many Steves today and it's a great name you have. So, hey, we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much for sticking with us today. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. That was Steve Slaps. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton. To learn more about the show and how to become a guest or sponsor, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Join us again next time as we continue to talk about everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. This has been the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton.